We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Road of His Overtime podcast. We are drafting in the FFPC main event. This is going to be the second part of that draft. We are having a huge amount of fun so far. We drafted from the 107 through the opening number of rounds. We are continuing on that march. We had some concerns, Sean, when we were at the 107 that we may get a little bit of a challenge. You went and made the call of Kyle Pitts as the tight end one. We have been on that bandwagon for quite some time this offseason. We go and do it at the 107. And uh, I think then that really sets us up for how the rest of the draft played out. There was some fortunate picks I didn't think C.D. Lamb was going to get back to us. Then T. Higgins gets back to us in the third. Deontay Johnson, D.K. Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Smith. And then we get Rashad Penny, Trey Lance, Rashad White, and Raheem Mostert. So we are into the 12th round at this point, but we are really loading up here with this draft. Sean, I'm excited. We're going to get back into the picks, but uh, yeah. Can we continue this uh, assault on the draft board? It's been a magical run so far. We obviously have a lot of running back work to do. We are now in the range where it's fun to do it. Column, there are going to be some surprise picks. Let's get after it. So, Sean, we are about to be back on the clock here. We are actually on the clock at this particular time. Eric Smith goes, Nico Collins, Garrett Wilson, who we talked about, did go. Dubes is there and available, though, if he is the option you want to take. We did get a little bit of a run at the running back position. Kenneth Gainwell is still there, though, who I think is very, very interesting. So I would between, be between Gainwell and, and Dubes here. I've pushed a few picks, so I'm going to let you take the wheel on this one. Well, the other player that I think we have to consider, he's got an early 12th round ADP, but I think that he should be going in that same group with Penny and Singletary and Harris as Raheem Mostert. Oh, Mostert, okay. I'm on board with Mostert as well. Again, playing the ADP game, that's where I'm, I was kind of risking it a bit, but... 18 seconds left, Sean. This pick is is all yours. So we throw Mostert in there to make sure that we get him. If Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle really drive that Miami Dolphins offense forward, then I think a player who has the elite speed, and you look back to 2020, Mostert had the two top on-field 
with the ball in his hands times in the entire NFL. He's been injured since then, but his times at Miami Dolphins practices have once again been explosive. They release Sony Michelle. That probably gives life to Miles Gaskin. That doesn't necessarily mean that Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert are completely and totally locked in to all of the touches, but I could see this being a situation that is a lot more similar to 2020 with the Arizona Cardinals than 2021 with the Arizona Cardinals, where Mostert is the Kenyon Drake back and Chase Edmonds really is the compliment. Now, not saying that that's going to happen. I don't think that's the most likely thing. They most likely have the player they signed to the most money and who is a little bit more, you know, prime of his career type player as the main guy or the slight leader in that committee. But I think that the scenario in which you get a league winner out of it, it probably is most hurt. Yeah. And the other key to make sure this is, uh, I've had some fun on the recent basketball shows talking about if you're drafting five or six running backs to try and not have the same bye week. Sean, we have a managed league here, so we don't have to worry about that. And it is week 11, so we don't have to worry about that. We have drafted our three running backs with week 11 as our bye week, so we just have to keep that correlation going throughout the entire draft now. But I have really liked drafting Mostert over the last month or so. I was also drafting a lot of Sony Michelle, which I eased up on, but I still have him as, I think, my third highest drafted running back. But after he got released, there was a slight day of concern, and then... Hopefully things will work out now with him, with the LA Chargers. But we get a third running back. Dubes is still on the board. He is somebody, Sean, that I haven't got a huge amount of because he tends to go a little bit earlier than I'm willing to pull the trigger in these drafts. Um, Algier is somebody who would still be there when things potentially come back to us. Anyone else though, that's a clear target for you here? I have, since we were doing the Julio Jones free agent draft picks i haven't really been drafting julio jones he goes in this range um who, who else is a, a prime target for you here with five picks to go i think it's never too early to start looking at gerald everett he's the player who probably has been the most mispriced of any player in the league this season especially in the ffpc's tight end premium you don't want him going to a different roster that's true even if you do have one of the elite tight ends one of the reasons that the bully tight end that Madison Parkhill talks about a lot is so successful in FFPC is that there are such good flex options. I'm not saying that Gerald Everett is going to be a flex starter on a weekly basis, but you have to at least consider that possibility and the possibility that by week three, week four, you'll know that ahead of time. And it won't be something where you're just trying to put him in there for the occasional touchdown we're building through wide receiver as the most likely position to fill the flex on most weeks. But one of the things that we're also looking at in zero RB is that you do end up with more positional flexibility, I think, than most drafters or that many drafters realize. We get to the end of these drafts and it, oh, one thing that happens is it just it's easy to end up to where you actually have a running back <laughs> that you play in the flex. So we're not too worried about that element we want to draft the best players especially once we get into these double digit rounds especially in managed formats i'm getting i'm getting pretty enthusiastic about the potential of romeo getting here to us if he doesn't tyler algier is one of my absolute favorites he has an adp in the middle of round 12 i think that he could do what mike davis couldn't last year and really be the guy it's not a criticism of cordero patterson he was fantastic in 2021 he is that 
sort of hybrid running back wide receiver to where they can run him on some routes down the field. So he gets a little bit of that air yard potential and catch some longer passes. We know he can run after the catch. He's great with the ball in his hands, but the Falcons would really like to be this dominant physical running team where that back also does have the three down upside. One of the things that we saw in the preseason is that Algier caught passes a little bit better maybe than uh, some folks were expecting, or at least if you had that concern, he probably alleviated it. Both of those guys are available here. Column, I've got myself excited about both. Yeah, I think we have to take the the dues pick. I actually went on to Twitter just to do a quick check to see that something hadn't happened to him. His ADP, Sean, has usually been in that 11th round range. We're into the mid 12th here i i would lean that way unless you want the algier pick but i think dubs is the pick when we look at the preseason dobbs was targeted on almost like every other route scored a touchdown on almost every other possession there's too uh, there's too much smoke there. <laughs> there's too much smoke I, they talk about him as being i mean even aaron Rodgers, who on the one hand is saying i want to i, be I all seen that i seen I seen an interview today where your boy Aaron Rodgers was was talking up dubs again. So, yeah, I mean, they talk about how he is basically the best rookie that they've had, <laughs> and I don't know, Colin. I mean, they've they've had some pretty good guys, <laughs> and so when we look at that, I just you can't pass on him there. I mean, he's more exciting, I think, in some ways, even in best ball because you do get the big games when he has them. You get all that firepower from continuing to build out the receiver depth for those optimized lineups. I don't know. I mean, you get two or three weeks into the season and all that wide receiver depth that you thought you had isn't there. He is our seventh wide receiver. You also have to continue to build as though you're wrong, right? You have to not build a team where everything needs to go right, but everything could go wrong and you would still be there. Maybe the Seathers passing attack is not where we want it to be. Maybe Geno Smith completely face plants and DK Metcalf doesn't score any points for us. Maybe CD Lamb does not take the next step forward. Maybe T Higgins is really squeezed out. And that's all, that's all before injuries and bye weeks. <laughs> In addition to, to Colin's biggest concern with the bye weeks, maybe these two hybrid QBs that we've drafted receivers from and bring Ayuk and Devontae Smith. Maybe those teams do end up very, very run based. If that's the case, maybe Romeo Dobbs is our number one wide receiver column. Hopefully that isn't the case, Sean. But yeah, you want to keep uh give yourself as many options to those paths to victory. But yeah, I, I think that that's exciting to get that. I, I have a kind of a pretty clear break between where he goes and then the other wide receivers going in this range. You're kind of almost getting into Devontae Parker range of Russell Gage who went shortly after Isaiah McKenzie went two picks after I do like KJ Osborne he goes one pick before but I think he is a clear standout in that range but Sean that there immediately then does put us into Gerald Everett watch because he would be in the range here for the next round as a pick when it comes back to us we do have nine picks to go before we would be back on the clock Tyler Algier though we talked about he would be another option for us you know I don't know. There's there's a couple of other names, but for me, they are the the really clear options that we would be hoping that one of those two get back. It kind of sometimes can be a little bit tricky when you get into the range where you have two names out of you know twelve. It is unfortunate if both of those guys go, but there is a chance that that happens. After that, then I think we're we're sliding down into the range where we maybe start to talk about Jarrett McKinnon, 
Justin Fields. You know, we're, we're going a little bit down, and we can also talk about KJ Hamler if we want. Uh, but uh, who who are you hoping gets to us? Which is obviously now just Gerald Everett as Tyler Algier has gone off the board. Who who are you hoping gets back here for this next selection? Solidier goes at the 12-11. That isn't a surprise. That's actually a few spots below his ADP. Gerald Everett's ADP is the 12-11. We would love for him to come back. The other issue that we're staring in the face right now is the loss of Eno Benjamin. He goes one spot after Dobbs. His ADP is at the end of round 13. We're now into the range in drafts where we have to take the players we want we can't get too worried about price we can't get too confident that adp is going to push players back to us we know that drafters are going to be taking their guys this is a main event you're not pushing the adp game in these particular drafts there are a handful of managers out there who probably are playing you know 20 to 30 to 40 of these they might be going for a little bit of value hunting the vast majority of participants in the main event, they need to be selecting their guys. So Sean, back on the clock again, we're going to look through the the options. Gerald Everett's there. For me, I think he is the clear pick. Is that who you want to go with? I feel like it probably is. <laughs> yeah, it has to be him. I was pretty shocked that Isaiah Likely and Evan Ingram went in the two picks before. That doesn't mean those are bad picks. I mean, Likely could be the guy, right? He was fantastic in college underdrafted we discussed in part one the first half of this draft that Rashad Bateman was someone we really wanted because of the lack of other weapons in that passing attack it could be likely as the third option even though he's the second tight end Evan Ingram a player who always has just that potential right he's a, he's a pure potential player we know that the Jaguars are going to be a lot more fun this year Lawrence is going to take a step forward. They don't have a brilliant number one to hog all the targets. So I, I like that pick, but I, I also just have to say that Ingram has not been good. Now, a lot of listeners are like, the player you just picked has not been good either. And so the difference there for me is that I think that the Chargers really need somebody to take the volume and they have justin herbert who i mean he's been overdrafted this season he should probably be the qb five or six in tr- instead of the qb two in many formats but that dude is an absolute star right if, if you were starting a franchise right now you would be hard pressed in your decision between josh allen patrick mahomes and justin herbert as the guy you might consider some players like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray also. In fantasy, I think those guys are even better choices in many cases. Lamar Jackson and how his rushing ability will age, the only reason that he might not be in that conversation. The three guys with the huge arms all give you the vibe right now that they could still be playing at 45 like Tom Brady is. That's why I like Gerald Everett. The reports have been good from chargers camp and practice and ever somebody who who is athletic right he's got that upside that we're looking for it's not just a volume play in the last half of 2021 you can pull the stealing signals tool you can see that his profile was finally good when he got a chance to play 
with Russell Wilson there. Obviously, both of those guys are now on different different teams and will be fighting for the AFC West title. Wilson, the one who will have a lot more control over who wins it. We're about to have the last pick in round 13. Colin, who are you looking at for round 14? So the next question I was going to, to pitch to you is how we're looking. Obviously, we have to take a kicker in a, a defense in this particular format, and we are going to, at that point, then have five remaining selections left. At the moment, we have two tight ends, one quarterback, three running backs, seven wide receivers. KJ Hamler does go off the board, who was going to be my potentially preferred option here. With the two tight ends we have now in Pitts and Everett, is there any you know, uh, appetite to take a third tight end in this draft? No offense to somebody who would be in this particular range if we did think that way. And then after that, then we did talk about this earlier when we had a little break. We didn't talk about it while we were recording. But Trey Lance, somebody you talked about potentially pairing him up with would be Justin Fields. He would be in this kind of range as well as options. Um, we're starting to also get into the, the kicker and the defensive portion of it. But I don't know about you. I, I, I'm willing to, to stretch that out quite quite a bit yet. Are you looking at somebody like Justin Fields here? The the running backs that we have paired up in the queue at the moment are Jared McKinnon, Amir Abdullah, Samaji P. Ryan, Ronald Jones, and Karen Williams. Interesting just to ask you while this is just a question I have for you. You have P. Ryan in the queue. There's no sign of Chris Evans in the queue. Have you switched over to, to P. Ryan over Evans for that backfield? Well, Evans was the play as the real upside shot, but he's played himself out of that backup role in camp apparently one of the things that we know is that those positions can flip-flop if you actually had a joe mixon injury you might see it flip as the Bengals wanted to get the most explosive player out there but right now samaj p run is probably in that group of you know 10 to 12 players who should be in round 16 17 in every draft but either goes 19 20 or undrafted most of the time he's somebody for us to consider because when we think about who could be this year's devin singletary who could be this year's sony michelle who could be this year's rashad penny then i mean that's a name that probably should come up earlier than it does we know the cincinnati Bengals, a team that can score a lot of points deliver the running backs down there into the red zone and p ryan is not a bad receiver so you have that three down upside that fantasy managers crave i would like to get multiple chiefs down the stretch unless other drafters take that path away we can't control we only have one pick in each round but mckinnon and jones together i think is a really strong way to play at least the first couple weeks you get to have a look at the Chiefs' backfield, it may be that neither one of those guys work out. It could very easily be a Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Isaiah Pacheco situation. If it becomes that, then you just make your moves, pick up some new guys in free agency, especially in the first month. There are going to be a lot of great options. You want to be aggressive with those free agent bids. And Colin, we are up. I think for me, the two players here are Justin Fields and Jarrett McKinnon. Yeah, they're the exact two players that I was going to, to ask you about. In terms of just depends on like i'm kind of thinking you mentioned earlier mariota as a late round pick potentially i'm kind of thinking almost if we don't take fields here we may be looking at just going with one quarterback in this build but i think fields has so much upside um from where he's going in this particular draft he would probably be my pick um and i would risk seeing if Jarek mckinnon gets back to us all right so we're we're on the same page there 
we want a couple of games watching Justin Fields. Colin, when we are looking at that week 15 to 17 sprint, the playoff schedules for these two teams match up fairly well. We might have a situation where we wanted to play Fields in weeks 15 and 16, play Trey Lance in week 17. If we think that Lance can only play in week 17, then you know maybe that's not the direction that you're wanting to go, but you don't know what the future is. You have to give yourself some flexibility. They had the Seahawks, the Commanders, and then are at the Raiders in the final weekend. That at the Raiders game at the end, I think is absolutely fantastic. I've been playing that in a bunch of best ball tournaments. You can put players from those two teams together in a very fun fashion. The Raiders have guys like Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, Darren Waller. You play those against all of those options from the 49ers. Those first two games are not necessarily hugely worrisome, but they are games that could be lower-paced games where perhaps the 49ers won't need to score a lot of points. You contrast that with the Chicago Bears, who in Week 15 have the Philadelphia Eagles, in Week 16 have the Buffalo Bills, and in Week 17 have the Detroit Lions. That's part of the, the sort of sneaky thesis for Fields to me. The Eagles game, yeah, I mean, you run into the potential where if the Eagles control the ball throughout the game and Chicago has some three and outs, maybe it's a situation or a contest where the total number of plays for the Bears is extremely low. That would be a worry, but I think the Eagles are going to score a lot of points. I think the Bears will have to chase. We know that they'll be chasing in week 16 against Buffalo. And then the week 17 road game against the Lions in the Dome, if the Lions put up the points that were enthusiastic about them potentially putting up, again, you have a lot of third quarter, fourth quarter aggressiveness from a rising Chicago team at that point. Not necessarily saying that will happen, but that's kind of what we're thinking through when we're attacking Justin Fields in that range. Yeah, and I just think uh, we I joked about this when we talked about potentially targeting Trey Lance. Uh, we had Trey Lance on our main event team last year, and we never actually got to put him into that starting lineup. Uh, but we are going to put him in the starting lineup a lot this year, Sean. But having the flexibility between those two, and I feel like the Bears, who you touched on earlier when we talked about Mooney, I think there's a scenario where when the season starts, they could be a different look after week four than they are now. They could be a much better offense and they could be somebody that you're you're looking to target. So I think just the upside of fields and also the rushing ability, whereas even if the offense isn't great, you're still going to have that scenario that you also have with Trey Lance and his ability to run the ball. So giving you that extra flexibility. The other player we mentioned was Jarek McKinnon. He is still there. So hopefully he will make it back to us. I think he'll be a clear pick then at that point. We are four picks away. Sean, the question I also mentioned to you is Samaji P. Ryan. I think the other part of that to mention is probably the fact that this is 20 rounds. Two of those rounds are going to be kicker and defense. If we're playing in basketball, we're usually getting Chris Evans in the, the 19th, 20th round as well. So, you know, obviously you don't need to lock him and he, he's a potential waiver wire option if something happened to P. Ryan and obviously if something happened to Mixon. But um, is that part of the, the thought process there, just the immediate depth chart? He's a really high percentage likely cut after week one. And so when you're trying to decide between a couple of different players and one you really want to see and the other one you think is going to be a a 70% cut, 
then you can work at that direction. It doesn't mean you're going to always be right. I mean, if we could be right about players who are being drafted in the 14 through 20 range, <laughs> then you know, these rounds wouldn't be so crazy. Fantasy would look a lot different. We can't be right on them. And yet at the same time, we do still have some information and we want to make that information work to our benefit as much as we can. Column. We have, information, yeah, we have information now that says we are on the clock and Jared McKinnon is available. Um, yeah, I think cl- clear pick for me, uh, unless there's anyone else you want to pitch in. Obviously, the reports on Brian Robinson have been more positive than you would expect it after his recent unfortunate situation, but uh, he is still there falling a little bit on the draft board, but maybe maybe he's still there in the next round. We'll, we'll consider that. Other players that we're probably looking at, Sean, in the next round would include the likes of Amir Abdullah, who I did touch on earlier. I think this is... The way the draft is played out and how it's setting up now for these final rounds is is probably from, you know, we had a little bit of apprehension when we joked about it before uh, with our draft slot before we started recording from the seven because you do miss out on those top three wide receivers. But the way things have played out for us throughout the draft has been has been pretty pretty smooth sailing outside, as you mentioned, you know, the Bateman pick or the Mooney pick. Everything else has, has been pretty, pretty good. We've drafted a lot of players we love. That's the key part of having teams that are easy to root for and that do have a lot of flexibility for winning you leagues. You know you're going to miss on some of your ideas, and so you want all of your selections to be really tilted in the direction of high upside, low downside, asymmetrical positive returns. I think that we have that type of lineup. We are going to be relying a little bit on... Rashad Penny and Raheem Mostert to be perhaps healthier than they have commonly been, at least until Rashad White can come through and be a top six overall running back. Yeah, that's after, as you mentioned earlier, he's going to get no touches at the start of the season, I think was your your reaction to that pick. Very few. (laughs) (laughs) So from week six on, though, we'll be fine. He'll be getting all the touches at, at that point, but yeah. I'm really pleased with how things are are continuing to play out here. Um, we will have a little bit of time here before our next pick, and uh, we'll see how, how drafters do in the meantime. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Alec Pierce, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galdi, Amir Abdullah, who we were hoping may get back to us all off the board. Then we have Kirk Cousins, Mo Cox, Isaiah Spiller, and Corey Davis. So, Sean, three picks away again, or two selections before we would be up again. Um, we have done a little brief conversation off recording. We might get into it here now where it may be a flat zone for us here, potentially, where we may pivot over to one of those top-end kickers. Justin Tucker was the first kicker off the board in the previous round. How are you feeling here? Abdullah is kind of the, the main priority for us at this particular point. You know, there's there's a number of wide receivers who would be available, but with the build so far, there's one particular guy, we'll not mention him yet, but we hope we make it later on, but Robbie Anderson's kind of in this range. But if you're looking tight end, Robert Tonyan, Brian Robinson, who I mentioned, would still be potentially in the mix. But who, who are you looking at here? And are, are you thinking about pivoting over to a kicker at this point? it's so tempting right and especially if you take the bills kicker then you can take a separate kicker in round 20 only if you feel like there are no other options but that gives you the chance to play the top guy or at least go away from bass if he doesn't put up a big score in the first thursday night we're back on the clock kyron williams goes one pick ahead of us there a very tiny surprise but one of the trendy late round running backs right now and we have P. Ryan, Ronald Jones, Ty Chandler, a name that should be on everybody's mind. Perhaps the best running back in the preseason this year. I guess David Bell is the player that I think that we need to stash and see what he has. Because if he comes out of the blocks like Anquan Bolden, then that type of production i think we get a little bit of a feel on early in the season do you think we need to go from now i do okay let's do it i think he, <laughs> we probably I, I know we talked about i i joked there a second ago but there was a, a wide receiver we wanted to get later on that wide receiver we wanted to get later on was david bell we have got him at this exact point so i i guess when you, you mentioned it earlier go get your guys at this particular point of drafts david bell usually goes a little bit later but yeah and i think that also probably sean seals us out at the wide receiver position and then we'll see what comes back to us so by kicker the other part was going to be the decision you mentioned the thursday night football game and the, the benefit of potentially going with tyler bass you know you have mcpherson and buckner as well ahead or butker sorry ahead of those get ahead of bass in terms of the kicker adp so he may still get back to us here and We'll just see what happens. Brian Robson was somebody who was kind of intriguing to me there at this particular moment. Is he somebody that you are not drafting or is there a point where if he continued to fall, you'd be interested? 
I, I just think that he won't go undrafted, but like he's somebody who, if he is healthy after six weeks of the season, is somebody who would be a, uh, he goes off the board, a great add to a zero RB roster. What, what's your thoughts there? He's another guy where I think you're going to have to cut him, right? Yeah. So it's hard to start, like, especially I, that's what I was thinking is we have Penny, White, Booster, McKinnon. We don't know McKinnon's workload is going to be early in the season. You mentioned the, some of the concerns around White's workload early in the season. And then that puts you in a situation where holding Brian Robinson for six weeks is going to be a challenge. It is. And even if it's just the four, then I think that you're going to have another shot at him sometime this year. It may be a shot where you've got to throw out 600, 700 of your free agent budget to get him. But only in leagues where he lands with an inactive manager I think he's is he likely to stick around? He's drafted in round 16. We know these 16, 17, 18 rounds are going to be players who get churned, not in all cases, but in a, a high percentage of cases. Maybe he lands on a team where there are a lot of other misses, and so you can get rid of your clear misses as opposed to someone that you're just stashing. But I think that we want to not necessarily exclusively emphasize. I and mean, if you think he's going to get back and be the big time starter, you think that the commanders are going to score a lot of points. There was a lot of reason to be enthusiastic about his profile after he more or less won the starting job, but still reasons to be worried, right? You've got a, a guy here who is sandwiched between a quality starter and a quality third down back or quality space back in a bad offense. If he also can't play for the first month, I mean, do you want to spend one of your important roster spots that way? We talk about how if we could tell the future, then these 16, 17, 18th round picks would be worth a lot more. But we do know that there are going to be some big hits that come out, and we do know that there are going to be some uh, big-time values in free agency. So those roster spots do matter, even if the overall hit rate during the draft is very low. Yeah, no, that's a very, very fair point. The other thing, it's interesting, you mentioned about the inactive manager, and the question I had was more for if people were listening in just in their leagues and, and how they might play it out. But that manager has currently, him as the, the wide receiver, or sorry, running back eight, that roster is five wide receivers at this point. There is a chance that if if he if it's not Brian Robinson that's cut, there's a number of other interesting names. Even Kenneth Walker, for example, who may not be 100% healthy at the start of the season on that roster, they have Melvin Garden, Devin Singletary. Sean, I, I hope there's some cuts on that roster because we, we can spend our, our budget there to get those guys on board. Evan McPherson was off the board. Paris Campbell was off the board. Again, we're in a, a pretty flat zone. I know we took David Bell. Is there anyone that you're thinking about making that reach for? Sony Michelle was somebody who I had recently added to the queue. He goes off the board. But we do have Ronald Jones, Ty Chandler, Rex Burkhead, Trey McBride as a late potential tight end. And then we have the kicker so we're back on the clock this feels like a, a spot on wh where we could pivot to the kicker position well we had a situation where the team right after us when we took david bell took samash ap ryan so he did not go at the very end of this particular draft that team also took chris evans gonna have the Bengals back up in all likelihood they actually have they actually have mixing as well so they have all three Bengals. so they're gonna score some Bengals running back points <laughs> Um, we have we have 25 seconds we're not feeling any pressure it's the the late rounds we know harrison bucker is there tyler bass is there I mean, what's the best karma though and if you're going to win the million dollars don't you want to do it with 
Ronald Jones on the roster. Yeah, the reason I'm so calm, Sean, and you can change it if you want. Ronald Jones is at the top of the queue. I have uh, I have no concerns here at this point. If we, you can follow Buster all you want today. So Colm, not concerned about the timeout with his guy Rojo there at the top. We're going to go down, Sean. Like I have made this night. Like I'm going until Ronald Jones retires. I'm I'm going down with that ship. There's going to be a season where it works out for us, isn't there? Isn't yeah, I mean there? you have to put him on the roster with your last pick every time just because good things come to people who believe and who are sending those positive vibes out into the universe we're sending them to ronald jones it's a little unclear why we would have picked him out specifically to send good vibes to but i mean he feels like he needs it and if he if he could benefit from it the only people sending those good vibes are me you and pat korean <laughs> there's only three people that are sending those good vibes to ronald jones yeah, and family and, and oh well family, kind of yeah, but that are where where the real people Sean that are really sending those good vibes. <laughs> right. Where the people right. who really care. <laughs> well I think everyone who drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire in Dynasty a couple of years ago and has subsequently and angrily handcuffed him with Ronald Jones, they're probably also sending the good vibes out there because they know Clyde Edwards Alaire is not going to be the guy who wins their league for them. There's been a lot of talk about Rojo. Would he be cut? Would it be better if he were cut? You look at some guys who were cut, and now actually it seems to have rehabilitated their value in terms of Kenyon Drake, Sony Michelle, maybe being on the Baltimore Ravens. That was the other team that I was really looking at and thought that it made sense. I thought that it made sense for the Ravens to trade for Ronald Jones last year to have it be a situation now <laughs> where kenyan drake gets to play in that offense instead of jones is a little bit frustrating so maybe there was a better scenario for jones but i like him on the chiefs because the chiefs don't have a guy those other three players are role players in all likelihood as a chiefs fan i'm contractually obligated and much more than contractually i'm emotionally obligated to coming up with a way to defend any of the really exciting narratives that their coaching staff can come up with right now that narrative is with isaiah pacheco i hope that that works out he can get his size speed package pointed toward the goal line as opposed to pointing toward opposing defenders so when i say that ronald jones is the only way it plays out and you have a star that's obviously not true those other guys all three of them have cool things who then we took jerk mckinnon earlier in this draft because he was one of the real hammers in last year's reality playoff portion they've got a lot of athleticism it's not impossible especially now he's so cheap it's not impossible that Clyde Edwards Lair could come through but I like Jones in this offense because after the other guys have failed those first couple of weeks and they get Ronald Jones out there and he breaks one into the secondary and goes for 70 yards I just don't see how he doesn't play and I also kind of like the fact, one of the concerns with Jones is that, and I think this is especially relevant in best ball where any points can sometimes be very helpful. For managed leagues, I like the fact that he may be inactive and that gives you a very strong signal, conclusive I would say, to not play him that week. And if we can get a sense of who the Chiefs backs are going to be from a touch perspective by who is active in any given week maybe that helps us play it as you know managers in a managed 
league. So I like that. We have Ronald Jones. We have Jarrett McKinnon. We get that Chiefs exposure. We get it without paying very much. Sometimes when you don't pay very much, you have a lot more upside related to price. Sometimes when you don't pay very much, <laughs> you guys aren't very good, which uh, that's kind of what the market is telling you. But I do like having some Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, no, I think it's good. And you mentioned a point there. There's a lot of talk around having the four running backs in the roster, but there's a good chance that if they're not active on special teams, they would be inactive on game day if that is the situation. And we, we should have some clarity around that before game time, which would, would be beneficial, obviously, to the way we have constructed this backfield. But yeah, more Ronald Jones. I can't believe it. We've done it again. Um, we'll see, Sean. We are two picks away. We've talked about Tyler Bass for quite some time now. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you again. Uh, Dearness Johnson is there as a potential option, but defense kicker time? Yeah, I, I, I do want Bass here. I hope he makes it two more spots. Yeah, I think it'll be. We, we, we were kind of thinking about it two rounds ago. So two picks to go with to hear the sigh as Tyler Bass goes off the board is probably the next thing that's going to happen. If it's a case that he's not there, is there any other guys that you're interested in here? Um, Daniel Carson... Matt Gay would be potential options as well. Yeah, anybody that you want to draft at kicker is is fine. And Gay also gives us the chance to come back with a second kicker. We don't in, have to worry about it, Sean. We don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't. Bass comes to us. We will select him. We have two picks remaining. I, You, you just really want to win in week one you want to get off to that one and oh start we know that one of the things that we have done here is take on a little bit of early season uncertainty that usually is then reflected in late season upside but we don't want to get off to the slow start so if we get boxed out of the rest of our picks we know we're going to be having a big week one free agent bid almost regardless of what we do you cut one of your kickers and it's emotionally very easy sometimes you don't bid aggressively enough if you want to see all 18 of your skill position players again in week two you can also cut some guys that, that you like connor and i were discussing the other day that one of the things that can occasionally help you in best ball is that you can't cut the players that your full year that eight months of analysis told you those guys are going to be really good they get a little bit of a nagging injury in the first couple of weeks. You let them go and they come back and really rampage in the fantasy playoffs. You feel silly. You feel frustrated. If they score enough, you may even be distraught that you lost those players. Sometimes patience is valuable, but if you're the, the team that gets the week one pickup, not only do you have the most sort of new information that wasn't out there before after the week one after week two but you get to play that guy for the longest period of time especially if it's someone who's going to be a clear starter the value of being willing to, to bid up colin what's the the biggest bid that you have made after week one in an ffpc league yeah i would say maybe 70 percent, which didn't work out I've tried to erase that from my memory. It sounds that way. It sounds that way. My highest bid was for Alfred Morris after the first well, this week is of his rookie uh, year. You brag now. You tell us how you, you picked up Alfred Morris. Well, your story wasn't any good. <laughs> my story was terrible. but I... 958, Colin. I had 
42 to work with for the entire rest of the season and talk about bragging basically just lucky it worked out right <laughs> because he was going to be your one play for that year it was on a zero rb team and it did help a lot john with a humble brag uh <laughs> We are all we are actually back on the clock with our, our discussions. Um, we are back in the mix, so we are like te- we're tempted here to go with two kickers to see how things go in week one. I, I, do you want to do that in the last round, or do we want to go here with the defense at this point, where there's there is some interesting options? I often like when we get out of the elite defenses to target defenses that teams are going to put up points. In that situation, Kansas City are probably the the highest likely to score points. But you know, we have the Patriots and Philadelphia in there as well. But I, I'm probably willing at this point to bypass the defense for that second kicker if you want to do it. Or I'm easy, and I have no strong preference at this point. Let's go with Tennessee here in the good week 17 matchup, and that also kind of keeps us open. For not the the good week one matchup, I should say. <laughs> I was wondering. I thought you're being very confident. Yeah, we're we're just gonna play Tennessee for 17 weeks. Pretty confident that's gonna be the highest scoring defense. No, they they have the good week one matchup. That's what is relevant on the defensive side, and that way we kind of know whether or not we're gonna want to spend the 20th round pick on a position player or on the I, kicker. The two guys I, I still really like here: Ty Chandler, Trey McBride. Yeah, I also think that the the week one play, like realistically, we, we want to be playing Tyler Bass up until his bye week in week seven, um, you know, based on how we expect the kicker position to go. So whoever we do pick up, we're probably, you know, things could go differently. But we're probably not thinking about holding them on the roster for a long period of time. So we'll see what options are there. Yeah, Ty Chandler and, and Trey McBride are certainly in play as well. So this is obviously the most exciting time for people to listen listen into these drafts, Sean, when we're at the kickers and defenses portion. But I guess when we're waiting to see when it comes back around, we can do a, a run through what we have ended up with as a roster. So at quarterback, we have Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Then we have Rashad White, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Jerick McKinnon, Raheem Mostert. At wide receiver, we have DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Brant Nayuk, David Bell, Romeo Dubes, Devontae Smith. At tight end, we have Kyle Pitts. Gerald Everett, and then we have Bass and the Tennessee defense. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, pretty excited with how this has turned out. There's only a couple of picks that we've gone back to a few times: the Mooney and Bateman picks. So we potentially could have had them over Metcalf and Ayuk, but I think all things considered, that has worked out. What are your thoughts? Obviously, we have one pick to go. What are your thoughts though on on how we've built this out? And I think it's fair to say this is a a true zero RB roster. A true zero RB. We don't get our first running back until round eight. We have the six big time wide receivers. We start with the elite tight end. We come back with Trey Lance in round nine. That gives us what we hope is an elite quarterback, but we pair him with Justin Fields to give ourselves two shots at that hybrid profile, the profile that is tournament winning, world crushing in fantasy. We like the running back upside that's on this roster. That doesn't mean those running backs are necessarily going to hit. Yeah, but I, I think there's there's enough upside there, and we'll we'll work those waivers to to see how things play out. But yeah, it's it's an exciting an exciting build here. We're seeing some of those kickers go off the board. 
we are now into that decision point in two picks time as to do we want to go with the kicker do we want to go with Ty Chandler or Trey McBride based on the kicker matchups in week one Sean is there anyone here who is available that you have a strong lean towards we have Indianapolis's kicker in Blankenship we have Nick Folk we have Young Way Koo Jake Elliott Will Schultz you know any, any matchups that you're you're specifically targeting for that first week well I thought that Ryan suck up in an explosive Buccaneers offense they'd be at Dallas the kicker situation can be tricky because you would like it to be on a high scoring team in a matchup that you're probably not going to be chasing a huge number of points you don't want to get into the second half and kind of be game scripted out at kicker I guess with where we are here and the specific kickers who are left I would be probably leaning back toward taking Chandler or McBride yeah if I mean if either of them blew up in week one yeah, that's still, kind of yeah. silly. Yeah, no, and even with the tight end position, like there's reports that Zach Ertz potentially won't be there week one, you know, won't be active or else will not be 100%. And then Ty Chandler, then there's the reports around Madison potentially on potentially being moved. So again, I have no Ty Chandler at this particular point in, in my drafts, just but I have a huge amount of McBride. So I, again, I'm willing to let, leave this one up to you. We probably need the depth that running back more than we do at tight end but i maybe the tight chandler has the upside to to be that massive smash i think that f mcbride hits in week one there's gonna be a lot of waiver boards that's spent on him so colin we take Ty chandler there i think that was what you were arguing for i, I was kind of begging for somebody to usually I, I need somebody to stop me from drafting ronald jones and the other player is trey mcbride so i just <laughs> I need somebody to take the controls and not allow me to draft those guys. Take the controls. Don't let Colum draft McBride. McBride goes two picks after us. He goes right in that same range. Someone else looking at it from a similar point of view. I have a huge exposure to McBride. I think on this particular team, the upside for Chandler he was someone who was very good after transferring last season in the NCAA. He's a back with elite speed. He was one of the best performers in the preseason. I've written a couple of different articles about him. One early talking about how he could be this year's Elijah Mitchell. One more recent in the bold predictions column that came out after the first week of the preseason talking about how Alexander Madison would be moved. I think that was the prediction. It was something to that effect column. I don't know yeah, if you remember yeah. exactly. I and think it was that the it was something to do with the second running back on that you want to own on the Minnesota Vikings wasn't Madison. And so now a couple of weeks later we're we're in that position. I don't know that there's any fire where there's smoke on Madison here, but I do think that someone like Samaje P Ryan should be going in the same range or ahead of Madison. I think he's got a better chance to be the Bengals handcuff than Madison does to be the Vikings handcuff. The players Madison is competing with for that role are just so much more athletic than he is so much more dynamic. I think that in this new styled 
Vikings offense. They're looking for that dynamism. Chandler, obviously a, a pick of the new regime. You know, we're only human and that can work for and against players in some of these situations. The guys who are already on the roster, we watched how that worked out with the Raiders and some of their running back moves. The new brain trust in Minnesota, I have a lot of confidence that their overriding goal and really their entire focus is going to be on winning football games. But again, if you can win football games by making a late round pick who blows up and becomes your next starter, becomes Arian Foster or something to that effect, you can't help but bask in the glow of, of having made that pick. And so even if you're trying to keep yourself very balanced in the way that you look at how things are transpiring, those guys who are picked into that situation are just going to have the edge. So I, I do like Ty Chandler as a final round pick. I like the backs who bring that explosive athleticism. It's it's weird, Colin, but those guys, as opposed to the big slow backs, do tend to be the ones who are undervalued. It has been a core principle in zero RB to load up on extremely athletic players. There is a little bit of a dynamic where the big guys can be the preferred back on some of these coaching staffs. The coaches like when you break tackles and then fall down as opposed to the Chris Johnson profile where you run to daylight, run to daylight, run to daylight, but then get, you know, shoestring tackle by the first guy. And, and the coach looks, it's like that, that guy's just not tough, not tough. So there's some human psychology too, with how the running backs are actually deployed where we're going to keep taking those elite athletes. Yeah. So I, I'm again, we usually we run through the full roster at this point, but I think we have, as the draft has gone on, we've kind of split it up a few times. I think it's fair to say, Sean, we're both on the pretty excited end of the spectrum in terms of how this has played out. We'll be talking about how the team is doing throughout the season. We may have another couple of these type of drafts before the season kicks off, or maybe even after that Thursday night game, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's getting to the, the crunch time now, Sean. We're cramming those drafts in to, to finalize up the season. Hopefully, we'll have some success stories when it comes to the end of the season, like we did last year. Hopefully, we'll have some prize money coming our way. But that is going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. Thank you for everyone who listened in and listened to the draft. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully there's some nuggets in there that you find very interesting. And hopefully, as I mentioned, this team goes on to win for us this year. But we will be back with our regular schedule programming all the way through to the start of the NFL season. There will be potentially some bonus content in there as well. So do make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. And until we are back with another show, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. You can check out all of Sean's work up at rotoviz.com. He'd mentioned it on this show, but recent, recently released the priority list for his targets and draft candidates up on rotoviz.com. But until we are back again, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>